Good morning, church. Well, I'm actually changed my mind and not preaching on the passage that I told uh, the others about. I do want to read it. And uh, <clears throat> just to give our minds going, uh, I would like to read Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of the Lord. We sang about that this morning. You know, when we gather as a community, we'll talk about this later. Some of us come into this room and we just can't wait. We love music. We love to sing. For others, it's very hard. Uh, some weeks, it's more difficult than others. And I can imagine our hearts go out to you, Eric and Denise and your family in the loss of your mom this week. And it makes it difficult. We don't feel like necessarily rejoicing. But um, we're going to learn some things about that today that are very hopeful. So we're talking about becoming more consistently grateful. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to start us off engaging with one another and discussing something. We're going to get into our groups and we're going to ask this. What are some gratitude killers? What are those things that seem to make it so hard to be able to express thanks? What is it inside of us? It could be attitudes, frameworks, beliefs, perspectives. What things, what ways of being, what is it in life that keeps us or just seems to kill gratitude? And I want you to explain why you think that stops uh, us from expressing thanks. So please, I want you to turn uh, to people next to you. You can even move your chairs around if you want. Let's get into groups of somewhere around four to six. And would you take a run at this question for a few minutes? Make sure you introduce yourselves to one another as well.
Two minutes, two minutes. One minute, one minute. So uh, I'm going to ask, uh, I know this is always dangerous because I'm hard of hearing and it's echoing here. I've got the hearing aids cranked up, but uh, make sure at least everyone else around you can hear. How, throw out an answer. What makes it difficult to express gratitude over in this group? Pride. Pride. Absolutely. Others? Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. Gotcha. Can't see the bigger picture. Others? Entitlement. Entitlement. Mm. It's good for a certain generation. Anyone else? <laughs> Someone over here. Covetous. Sorry? Covetousness. Covetousness. Yes. Others? Complacency. Eh? Complacency. Yeah, way back there. Disappointment with people. Disappointments. Yeah. yeah. Way back there. Don't time. 
Excellent. Um, we'll take the notes and make this recording so that when next time we teach this, it'll even be better. <laughs> You're a smart group. There's lots of things why. Some of you mentioned having a negative focus in life. Some people are just, everything is down. Everything is negative. Everything, the cup's always half, half full. Selfish, selfishness and entitlement, you're right. When we think we deserve, and if anything doesn't meet that standard, then it's hard to express thanks. Greed, discontentment, envy, low self-esteem, worry, fear, anxiety. How about this one? Comparison. We may have enough money, a nice home, cars that work, talents that enable achievement, looks that are attractive, but may lack a spirit of gratitude because we're always comparing ourselves with other people. Someone said the busyness, and it's really true, the pace of life we keep when we live at Mach 3, you know, we can't savor moments, enjoy the family, experience the richness of life in God's kingdom, and therefore a spirit of gratitude shrivels. A.W. Tozer said one time, Be, beware of the barrenness of the busy life. Just everything becomes barren at that point. There's a lot of reasons that grace gets killed. Yet in spite of this, those of us who have been, you know, regenerated by the Spirit of God, that means we've, we believe in Christ more than just sort of an intellectual ascent. We actually believe who he was, and we've responded to his word by inviting his living presence to come within us to forgive all of our wrong and our sin of our past and committing ourselves to follow his leadership and become like him, be about his kingdom work. For those of us who have done that, he calls us yet, in spite of all of these realities, to be people of gratitude, to give thanks. So, Gratitude becomes a character trait when we increasingly choose to be, and I'll just say as a foundation, and then I'm going to get to the, the things we're going to look at today. The foundation is when we choose to be in an authentic, responsive relationship with God. Like, this is different from religion. This is different from, you know, a little bit of, yeah, God's, I believe in God. No, I'm talking about living in a dynamic, responsive relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit where we receive the love of the Father and we love him back with our whole being. We abide in vital union with Jesus Christ who dwells within us by his Holy Spirit, surrendering to his functional leadership and then ongoingly empowered by the Spirit as we respond to his voice and his work in us in the direction he gives us. You see, the more we learn and know and experience God, the more grateful we can become the more thanks we can express. So to give us more help in becoming a grateful community of Jesus, I want to reach ahead in our book we're studying. Are you okay with that? I'm actually going to reach ahead. I thought I would say I was going to steal some verses and bring them back here, but no, we're just like checking in advance something that is a little more appropriate for the context of today being Thanksgiving weekend. It'll save time on the other end. So we're going to utilize this three verses that are very relevant for us. Uh, for those who are wanting to follow it up online, after the series or when we've caught up to this passage, then we'll insert it at that point where it should be chronologically in the book. 
Here's our passage for today. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And for those of you who are worried, all three verses are on the screen right there. Here's what we read. Let's, can we read this together? Let's go. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, here's some things, some technical things about the passage that are very important. Um, we we kind of get the sense reading it in English, but in the original language that the Bible was written in, especially the New Testament, these first three phrases, rejoice, pray, and give thanks, are all in the imperative mood. That is that we are, they're, they're not suggestions. They're imperatives. They're commands. They're also all in the present tense. And if you understand that language, it means that these are, a, it's a call for continual, continuous action. Now, we see this not only in the tense, the tense that's used, but also in the emphatic word order in Greek. When you change the word order, it's really important. And actually, the words not in the original don't start with rejoice. It says, always rejoice. Without ceasing, pray. In all circumstances, give thanks. And they do that for emphasis. God is talking about the ongoing, continual, always kind of nature of these commands he gives to us. And so they're stated this way, uh, highlighting the ongoing nature of what God is calling us to. They are actually identifying characteristics that are to mark a follower of Jesus and the community of Jesus. Now, Paul underscores this fact when he asserts this, for this is God's will for you. The you is in plural. That means every one of us. You say, well, that might apply to someone else. That might apply to, you know, Lloyd, Pastor Lloyd. Like, ooh. But my life? No, 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 no. This is God's will for you. Some of you always seek, or some have heard, I've been asked many times by many Christians, they want to know what God's will for their life is. Well, I can tell you, standing on the word of God right now, I can look you right in the eye and tell you, I know some things that are God's will for you. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every circumstance. It's, it's the life of Christ being manifested. He lived it. We see it. And the, the enabling, the key to actually be able to do this is found in the three little words, or the two little words in, three words, in Christ Jesus you will never do this if you're not in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means to be in relationship, vital relationship with him, where you have received him into your very soul, your spirit, where you're living in union with him, where you're surrendering to his loving, functional leadership of your life. 
where he is empowering you to be able to do this inside by his Holy Spirit. Now, humanly, on our own, these are impossible. In fact, people might think you're crazy. And in fact, some of you might even be a little angry or disturbed that I would dare to tell you that that's a command you should follow. I know, I've been there. I'm well acquainted with pain, frustration, guilt, grief. But in Christ, these are livable. And the more we grow in Christ, the more deeply we abide in him, the more real our union with him is, the more fulsomely these characteristics can be brought into practice in our life. So here we go. Gratitude becomes a character trait when we, who have this authentic relationship with him, increasingly, when we increasingly choose to be joyful in spirit. Verse 16, as we said, literally is always rejoicing. Because we're in Christ, joy is not merely something that we work on. Joy is primarily something we live in. We live in joy. We are indwelt with joy. For the Christ follower, joy is the epicenter emotion of our life. And we orbit out of there sometimes with grief or pain, heartache, but the gravitational pull of our hearts always comes back to joy. We don't deny pain. We don't deny hurt. We don't deny disappointment. But the very presence of the living Christ and his Holy Spirit draws back to our center. And in a strange kind of way, even in those situations, sometimes we actually experience joy. We're able to manifest joy because of God's Spirit in us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, some of you are very familiar with it. It talks about, you know, he's contrasting the deeds of the flesh with the fruit or the manifestation, the evidence of the Holy Spirit within someone. And the, one of them, the, the second evidence or manifestation of the Holy Spirit inside someone is joy. The evidence that you have this real relationship with God and it's growing and it's vital, not perfect, but growing, is increased love, increasing joy. So our, gener- our joy as the followers of Christ is not generated from the outside. Like much of the world, their happiness and their joy is dependent on outward circumstances. But for the believer, primarily, it's generated from within by the Holy Spirit who dwells there, who manifests joy within us. And one of the ways that a Jesus community strengthens its joy and more... Uh, increasingly chooses to live with a joyful spirit is by singing together. 
God's people from all of history, from the Older Testament all the way through to the end in the new heaven and the new earth, collectively singing together, together, joyfully, has been a hallmark and is a characteristic of the community of faith. Why? Because God knows that a lot of things happen when we sing. How many of you come to church often and the last thing you want to do is sing? I mean, you're not feeling it. You don't want to. You're angry. You're frustrated. You're hurting. You're grieving. You're disappointed. But something happens as the community of faith begins to sing. Music has an innate power in and of itself. We know that from the Older Testament. When Saul was actually troubled by an evil spirit, he would call David to play his harp, and it soothed him in his soul. But there's something also that when the, the Jesus community sings, we don't only sing to God, which has an amazing factor. We're going to talk about that. But through songs, Ephesians 5, be filled with the Holy Spirit and sing to one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, admonishing one another. We actually exhort and admonish and stir one another up to faith, towards God, towards joy, as we sing together. And so as we choose to do that and we choose to sing rightly, it enables us. And mysteriously, God's Spirit talks about, the Word talks about this in Psalm 22, 3, that somehow mysteriously, when the people of God sing, He inhabits our praises. He manifests His presence in the praises. He sits enthroned upon the praises of God's people. He's here. Revealing, intensifying His presence to those in the congregation. And something, something mysterious, something invisible, because God is spirit, something happens within our soul. So, you know, and then as we go throughout the week, sometimes we, we continue to live in a worshipful attitude. And, you know, as we increasingly choose to be joyful in spirit, gratitude becomes a character trait within us. Secondly, gratitude becomes this characteristic when we increasingly choose to be persistent in prayer. Literally, it says, without ceasing, be praying. As we're abiding in Christ and He in us, we become more aware of His presence throughout the day. And it makes communicating with Him more natural, an ongoing dialogue. It's not something that happens, you know, for a, a couple of minutes before we run out of the house in the morning. We can be dialoguing with God all day. As you're riding the go train or driving, and you look and you see the beauty of the coloring, the changes in the colors, and it's just like, God, wow, your creation's magnificent. You know, your wisdom and how you did this. What a gift. There's so many things we can be thankful for, but this awareness of his presence, you know, this ongoing dialogue, so we can be work, uh, working and praying at the same time. Oftentimes, I'll be doing work, whether it's administrative details or, or doing other types of things. 
I can be talking to God the whole time. You can too in your workplace. Like, not always does it, you know, probably the best thing for you to do it out loud beside your portable, your neighbor in the next cubicle. But you can always be dialoguing with God. God, this problem I've got here to solve it. I pray for your wisdom and just your awareness of his presence there and thinking, Lord, I need your help here. Uh, give me the words to say as I write this report. Empower me as I make this presentation. Help me to encourage my coworkers around and we pray for them. Do you see the things? You, know, you can always be in dialogue with God. You can be praying when you're working, driving, walking, thinking, eating lunch, in a meeting. You can uphold others by blessing them or wielding spiritual authority without them knowing. We simply enjoy his presence and we tell him so. That's another way. Giving breath prayers, or as we learned years ago, stealth prayers that come from our mind and spirit to God at any time, anywhere. One way we can be persistent in prayer that helps our gratitude is something that has been practiced for over five centuries in the church. It was actually, you know, sort of started by uh, Ignatius of Loyola as he did this thing called uh, the prayer of examine. And you can do it in night or in the morning. And what you do is the idea is to review the last 24 hours and just thinking about the people you met, the situations you encountered, the challenges you faced, the joys you experienced, and especially in tune to your emotional response to all of those things. And what you would say is, you know, those, those good things, those conversations, all the, the wonderful things they had that you had, where did I feel most alive? Where did I feel joy? Where did I feel most connected with God through the last 24 hours? And then just turn that into thanksgiving. That's one way, as you pray. Uh, Ken Shigematsu, he wrote a book called Survival uh, survival guide for the soul and he said when we become people who give thanks for what has happened in the past we will also become people who savor the present so being persistent in prayer and commuting with communicating with God in a consistent way gives many opportunities for us to encounter God's ongoing help receive his wisdom witness his intervention as we sang to this morning we've witnessed it experiences answers of prayer, which then all of these things give us many opportunities to give thanks, fueling gratitude so it becomes more and more characteristics in our life. And lastly, gratitude becomes a characteristic trait when we increasingly choose, and I'm intentionally saying this, we increasingly choose because there are commands to obey. We've got to choose to do so when we choose to be thankful in attitude. In all circumstances, it said, give thanks. Notice it does not say, give thanks for. It does not say, for all circumstances. There's a big difference. Rick Warren says the difference between the word in all circumstances and the word for all circumstances is the difference between being the difference between maturity and masochism. God doesn't expect you necessarily to be for grateful for everything in life. 
There's a lot of bad in life. There's a lot of evil and a lot of sin and too much tragedy and endless suffering. I'm not grateful when someone gets a disease. I'm not grateful when someone passes away. I don't like it when there's wars. It angers me that there's prejudice and that there is children being abused and women being trafficked. There's things that just make me angry. I don't thank God for those things. But somehow, even in the darkest times, in the worst periods of depression or desperation, even when my life feels like it's totally falling apart or we have no sense of control over, there are some good things that I can thank God for. In that situation, I can still thank God for many, many things. No matter how bad things get in your life, there are some good things, blessings to be grateful for. And the power of gratitude, though, isn't just feeling grateful. It's expressing thanks and appreciation. And one practice that can help you actually become more and more uh, thankful in attitude, that where gratitude can increasingly become a part of your character, is to simply take note and express thanks for three things every day. Now, some of you think that's just such a hokey book. Listen, Harvard researcher and author Sean Acor, a psychologist who teaches there, suggests that we can actually train our brains to become more grateful by setting aside a few minutes every day for practicing gratitude. Did a big study on it. The simple practice of writing down three thanksgivings every day over the course of the week actually primed participants' minds to search for the good in their lives and become aware of it. Now, you know how this principle works in a whole different area. Some of you are going to be looking for a car, or you are now, or you have just recently. You've got to get a new car. And so finally you see one, you think about it. Man, I should look at that. I'm not sure I can afford it, but you begin to research and you kind of begin looking at this car. And suddenly, when you're out around about town, you start seeing them everywhere. Like, you never even noticed them before. Why? Because you... You started looking for it. You were thinking about it. And when it comes to cultivating a heart of gratitude, the same principle is at play, but with more significance. When we practice noting what we're thankful for and expressing the kind of gratitude on a regular basis, it's not necessarily that more good things come into your life. Rather, our minds are primed to notice the good things. And so we become more grateful, joyful, and content, even though nothing around us may have changed. Now, this principle of this practice has a profound effect on many other areas of your life. For those of you who are married, if every day you took note of three things for which you were thankful for your spouse and expressed that appreciation to them, if you did that for one or two weeks, you would begin to look for and notice things more consistently and you would feel closer to them. 
but instead so many focus on what they dislike. They see their spouse through these negative lenses in almost every circumstance. Whether it's how they feel that that person looks, their habits, their weaknesses, their weight, their failure, their inadequacies, their faults, their mistakes, their past hurts, what they don't do, we actually begin to see them through those lenses. But if we begin to actually practice and look for gratitude, thanksgiving opportunities, it would begin to change how we see them, how we feel about them. I'm not trying to downplay sometimes very significant issues in marriage. However, it can set a whole different context in which to deal with those things. And it works also parents with kids, how you see your kids, or kids, how you view your parents. It works in the workplace. It, looks, it works, it's at work in your friendships. It's at work when you look at your house. Even your church. The place you live. You see, it especially works in our perspective towards God. We can actually only think of what God's not doing or what we feel he's not doing. We can make judgments about his character without understanding the full situation. And it gets reflected in how we, our relationship plays out with him, even in how we communicate with him. For if we only communicate to God by complaining, whining, resenting him, we're going to feel alienated from God. Conversely, when we take time to thank God consistently, affirming his goodness, identifying specific things for which we are grateful to him and his, inter his work in our life, we will draw closer to him. The Apostle James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And one of the ways we draw near is through thanksgiving. We actually come into his presence, experience his presence. And when we give sincere thanks to God, when we express why we appreciate these things, we will find God's presence feels closer. He manifests his presence. As Ken Shigemetsu said, we might think of thanksgiving as literally a portal into the presence of God. So God doesn't want thanksgiving just to be an event in our lives or merely a day on a calendar. His will is that gratitude be a lifestyle within us. If I t had the time, I would tell you all the wonderful things that gratitude fuels and how it fuels other characteristics. For those of you who are note-takers, I won't spend a lot of time here, but maybe if you could just throw the slide up, that'd be cool. It fuels other kinds of characteristics in our hearts. Humility. Like we understand that we're not self-made. That, our, you know, you can actually succeed and climb the ladder without having to become a jerk, without being arrogant or entitled. 
Daniel in the Older Testament, remember him? He was ripped out of his home country. He was thrown to Babylon. He was a servant, and actually, because God blessed him and he served so well, and he doesn't forsake his God, he rises in the ranks. There were 120 governors in the whole of the Persian Empire, and he is one of them. And then King Darius decides he's going to make him the overseer of all of them. And some of the Babylonians didn't like that, and so they devised a plan. They went to Darius and said, Darius, Let's do for one month, 30 days, no one can pray to anyone except you. He says, you know, strokes his ego. Yeah, let's do that. Little did he know that Daniel yet went home like he did all the time. We read about this in Daniel chapter 6, verse 12. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, this decree, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It was his practice. It was Daniel's habit to give thanks. So regardless of how powerful it became in the Persian Empire, he remained humble before God, expressing gratitude, contentment, the Apostle Paul knew this in Philippians 4. He talked about this in the section there. He begins it by saying, Rejoice greatly in the Lord. And he ends it with, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And it's talking about the secret of contentment. Joy. Faith. Hope. Gratitude builds hope. It could go on. You see, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God doesn't want Thanksgiving to be an event. He wants it to be a part of our character, consistent in our lifestyle. Following the service today, our family is going to be gathering and jumping in a car and driving to Ancaster, where we are going to have Thanksgiving dinner with our family. On the way, we're going to be stopping in Burlington, and we're going to be at the gravesite of my mom and dad. We're going to feel the empty hole in our hearts, as some of you are, this Thanksgiving. Standing around a gravesite or sitting at the table and recognizing who used to sit there. I was reflecting on my dad a few months, the, months, the last months in particular I had with my dad, and even in the emotionally difficult circumstance he was in, where I found you know, myself changing and cleaning him like he did to me. But I found myself thanking God for the privilege of serving Dad. And this afternoon, while tears will fill our eyes, no question, there will also be much gratitude in our hearts that's going to bubble up. And it'll come out of our voices in thanksgiving for Mom and Dad for their deep love for us, their influence in our lives, and the example of faithfulness, the faith passed on, the life lessons we've learned, the provision for us, and the fun memories that we hold dear. And we will give thanks to the Lord 
also for the hope of reuniting with them, either in the heavenly dimension when we die or when Christ returns and they're raised and we dwell together in the new heaven and the new earth forever. So both tears and joy are going to be our experience today. And in all circumstances, give, for, give thanks. Expressing our gratitude to God for his presence and our help in our past builds hope for our future, giving us power for today. Even when standing by a gravesite or sitting by a table with an empty chair or two. And the same can happen for each one who follows Christ. Let me pray for you.